This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Wednesday, October 17th, 2018. I'm in London for the Huawei Mate 20 event, and my guest is no other than the awesome Danny Winget, YouTuber extraordinaire. Hi, Danny. How are you? Hey, Miriam. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate that. Yeah, awesome. Um, so we're both here with a whole bunch of other journos. And we are a day after the launch of the phone. We've had a phone for almost 24 hours. Close. Uh, the Pro. And uh, let's so maybe let's go over what they announced and then what your thoughts are. And then what your thoughts are on the one device we've had a chance to play with, which is the Mate 20 Pro. So do you want to maybe tell my listeners and audience what, uh, what they announced? Okay, they announced... A lot. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> I think they announced too much. I can't remember all of it. But phones wise, I think they released four different phones, didn't they? So it was Mate 20, Mate yeah. 20 Pro, Mate 20 X, yeah. and also Porsche Edition Mate, Mate 20, 20 RS. RS. Yeah. And the watch. Watch and band. They also had a band as well. Oh, right. I completely right? kind of glanced <laughs> over that. I think by then we were all just worn out because they were just like one after another after another. They were just It was a it. long keynote. Um, I felt that they, you know, I liked that they went right into it. Like he yeah. got on stage and within, I think a minute, he put the P20, P20 Pro photos up. Yeah, I don't think they had a choice. They just had too much uh, to announce. But crazy when it comes to it, I think the P. I, I'm sorry, the I keep saying P uh, series because we it's will always... make this mistake throughout <laughs> the show. We will say P when we meet mean Mate. Yes, because P20, P20 Pro last spring, Mate 20, Mate 20 Pro now. Yeah, so that basically even these designs now and everything, all the tech kind of moving forward is kind of from the P series. So I think that's why we kind of. Make that mistake, but Mate 20 is kind of the, I guess, the lower end, actually, you want to call it. Some of the specs are dumbed down on that. Doesn't have some of the cool features like wireless charging, the reverse wireless charging that you would get on the, the 20 Pro. Yeah. Um, and it's missing a, a quite a few things, actually. There's It's an LCD versus an OLED. So basically that model there, I'm not sure who that phone is really for. That's what I'm kind of looking at. I feel like they could have not had a 20, a Mate 20 this year. They could have just gone straight to the Pro, but I guess it is more budget in terms of pricing, though. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, I also kind of asked myself that question a year ago with a Mate 10 and Mate 10 Pro, because, uh, I mean, there were, the Mate 10 Pro last year had some advantages, like it had a Quad HD display, even though mm -hmm. it was an LCD, versus the 1080p OLED yeah. of the Pro. So it was a bit of a closer call, and it had a headphone jack last year. And a headphone jack. And the P20, sorry, mm. the Mate 20 this yeah. year has a headphone jack as well. So there's still yeah. that. So it's kind of, I, I just, I feel like they're, this time though, they're clearly telling you which one is the pro version and which one is not the pro version. I feel like there's, there's a big differentiation this year. There's a clear pro moniker on the pro one versus last year. Yeah, I think they're, they're definitely a little more serious. I, I feel like... Um, I mean, first, maybe let's start with the Pro and kind of like walk through some of the things that I really stand out. So, I mean, what we're looking at here is a flagship phone, you know, like we've seen on, from other, on other manufacturers, the same kind of level of specs. Of course, the big difference here is that Huawei uses their own chips and they launched a new chip at IFA, I think it was, yeah, called it was. the Kirin 980, 
which is one of the first three seven nanometer chips. The other ones being the A12 Bionic mm -hmm. from Apple and this, uh, I think Snapdragon, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but we assume, the right? The next, yeah, the next Snapdragon should be seven uh, nanometers. Seven nanometer well. and yeah. whatever it's called, 855, I guess. Yeah, something, we, we're not sure it's going to be announced Are you in, Hawaii. Be in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah. awesome. So, so, so basically, think of this Kirin 980 as one of the top three chips on the markets today. For sure. So that's what all, all these made phones have. But so it's a flagship. They all have between four and six gigs of RAM, between 128 and I think, is there a 64 gig version? I don't think there isn't. 60, it's 128, 128 to 256, 256, right? Okay. And I think the pro version actually has up to eight gigs of RAM. Mm. It's six and eight. You're right. And there then is the an 20 eight is four version. to six. Okay. Yeah. So you get the idea. We're talking flagship here. Yep. Now, there are some variations, but the pro brings in a bunch of features that Danny just mentioned already. Wireless charging is not unusual, and the Pro has it. The regular one doesn't. Yep. But the Pro has a bit of a twist because you can turn it into a Qi charger to charge another phone. Yeah. So you can basically give your power to someone else. What do you is, think of that? Like, I, I was blown away. I was blown away too. I think it's. I think it's probably the biggest gimmick ever. I would say, but I, I'm gonna say that. This is probably going to be a feature that's going to be copied probably on every flagship that's going to happen in 2019. I feel like it's just something that it's the coolest feature that you'll probably not use. But I say that and then I used it yesterday to charge my iPhone because my iPhone was dying. So, uh -huh. I mean, it's you know, I think it does seem gimmicky, but I think as more wireless charge and more wireless compatible devices become the norm. And as you said, if that feature becomes copied by others, because right now it's really like, okay, so you're a generous made 20 pro user yeah. and you <laughs> set it up so that your friends can charge from you. But I think it will work a lot better once the rest of the competition achieves that too. And I think honestly, we're not probably going to see that from Apple right away, but I can see that coming from maybe Samsung. I can see know? it in the S10 for sure. I see people right now, I see companies, I'm sure they're looking at this and saying, we could easily do this and we need to put this out as a feature and then name it something else. And LG, no. I mean, LG has been using wireless charger forever too. I could see them doing it. Yeah, for sure. This one is a little different though. Cause uh, I think they stated that this is 15 watt wireless charging right now. The fastest is 10 Watts, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Cause uh, I think iPhone does seven and a half Watts. I think Samsung does 10 Watts and this one's 15 watt wireless charging. Wow. So, so, I mean, obviously that, that was kind of like, it was when I was briefed in San Francisco, uh, because I got briefed twice, once here in London, just the day before the launch, uh, just because I, I, I wanted to get my content early. So I, I did the briefing in yeah. SF as well. I just happened to be there. Um, but I was like, when Peter mentioned it, uh, Peter Gowden of Huawei, who did the presentation, I was like, of course you do that. It was one of those, like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I can't believe I'm not the one who thought of this. Yeah. Why hasn't this happened before? And that's what I thought too. And it was, and it's actually kind of cool because you don't have to actually touch the phones together. You can actually kind of hover them close together and then they start wireless charging already. Yeah. That's so cool. it's, it's just really cool. It's one of the features that everyone talked about when, when I got out of the New York briefing It's that's the one thing we always talked about. We always say it's going to be like the dating phone, you know, right? <laughs> because you can <laughs> You're like, oh, I, I got you. You know, yeah. you can go ahead and wireless charge off of me. So I want to really spend a bit of time on imaging because you and I are both imaging people. Yep. Um, but let's let's reserve that for a little later. Let's go over some of the other things that make the pro the pro. So wireless charging with reverse charging. Yep. Then we have the in-display fingerprint reader. And I have used a few of them so far, but I can say after 24 hours with that phone, 
that this is by far the most reliable and fastest I've ever used. Yeah, I would say it's a little slower than your traditional fingerprint scanner because, of course, it's going to be just because of the tech that's happening there. But I feel like it's pretty reliable. It's missed it a few times. It's pressure sensitive. So you have to if you just lay your finger on top of it, it might not work as well. You just put a little pressure to it. It works a lot better. But I feel like that and having the option of face scanning as well, because that's another thing that makes the right. Pro the Pro is because it has the same it, kind of array that the iPhone it, does. As far as I know, it's the second Android phone after the Oppo Find X that has some sort of, you know, time of flight, projection-based, yeah. uh, actual 3D mapping that, yes. you know, creates a 3D map of your face. Um, and it's much more accurate than what you see, say, on the OnePlus or the, the Moto phones or the, the LG phones that all have face unlock today that use a camera to just get some sort of, you know, biometrics on your face. And it's yeah. not as accurate. So this is a big deal. And here's the thing. We are about, what, 20, 20 journalists here? Yeah. And we all have the phone. And none of us have been able to confirm this. But I'm going to test it. My phone is ready to go. The next time I have to do a Google Pay purchase, I have disabled fingerprints. Mm. I have only enabled Face ID. And I'm going to see if after Face ID unlocking it, I can tap to pay and it doesn't require a passcode. Because if you've done it on the OnePlus 6, for example, when you unlock with your face and you then go tap to pay, it requires you to enter your PIN or use your fingerprint reader to authenticate because it doesn't um, consider the face ID part as a valid unlock mechanism mm. for, for Google Pay. So it'll be interesting to see if this is recognized. There are two school of thoughts amongst us journalists. We haven't been able to get a straight answer from Huawei, but some people are saying, yes, it'll do it. And some people are saying, no, we, it won't do it. And the people who think that it's yes is because Google was on stage yesterday. And they think that Google has basically worked with them to potentially make this happen hmm. as part of the kind of whole certification that they were talking about. Yeah. And of course, you know, you need Google's blessing for this because it's a hardware enclave, just like on the iPhone. Yeah. Um, and this is a very secure system. So I had a few issues, by the way, with this finger, uh, not this fingerprint, but the the, the face scanner. Um, I found that initially I, I, I tried re-registering my face up to, I think, six times total. And I found that the six was the magic because I had to actually remove my glasses mm. to create the, the kind of like the, the process the, to, to register. And then now it's working very reliably. But the first few times that I just registered with my face, it was really hit and miss. Sometimes it would work instantly, sometimes it would fail, sometimes it would take literally like one 1,000, two 1,000, click. Um, whereas, you know, I have an iPhone 10, yeah, and right it's away. pretty much bulletproof. I've yeah. had it fail twice in a year. Now, it's not my main phone, I use yeah. it as a secondary phone. So, I don't know, what's your experience being with it? Uh, for me, I don't wear glasses, so uh, I think it's been a lot, it's been a lot faster for me, it's almost instantaneous. But um, the one thing I did notice during the setup process, though, is the the iPhone requires you to do it multiple times. I feel like it's a longer scanning process than on the Huawei's. I felt like mine was very, very quick. Yeah, it seemed like I was like, am I done? Yeah. Um, but uh, face uh, fingerprint registration is also a little more involved than what you're used to like when you think about the galaxy s9 and the yeah. note 9 where literally you you just roll scroll your finger, down. Your finger yeah. down on the sensor that freaked me out at first i have to say it was so fast but it's it's accurate 
Yeah, so there you really do have, and it asks you to actually register the edges separately, and it, it guides you through. It's really well done, actually. I yeah. thought like like a few times I missed, and it was like, no, no, do it again, do it again. And uh, but for me, honestly, I haven't had to put much pressure on the display oh, really? at all. I felt like it works better. To me, it seems like it's the duration of time you spend on the display. Mm. You kind of hover a little longer, and it seems to register. But it's like when I'm talking about hover here, guys who are listening, folks, it's just literally like we're talking. 100 milliseconds more than you normally would on a fingerprint yeah. reader. It's kind of hard to explain, but you'll figure it out. And it honestly, compared to any other in-display fingerprint reader I've used so far, this this actually works. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm excited about this tech, actually, because the fact that, you know, until it gets bigger, because I know there's some other Chinese OEMs that have the bigger sensor area. This one, you have to put it on a specific area. Where, where it lights up where you put your fingerprint. But I'm really excited to see this come where maybe you can put your finger anywhere on the bottom half or so, so you can just put it wherever. That would be really cool. Yeah. I mean, right now you have to be specifically on the spot that it shows you on the display. And if you're a little off, it really does not work. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting how one of the things I think we're losing with this technology, I mean, aesthetically, the phone is awesome because it's got yeah. no fingerprint reader anywhere. Um, but I think we're losing the fact that, you know, on a Pixel, for example, uh, or the LG phones, it's by touch. You can kind of feel your way to the yeah. fingerprint reader on the back of the phone, especially because of the indent. Yeah. And there you, you lose that. It would be really great if they didn't haptic feedback, where if you touch it, you yeah. feel like it would like click. Haptic. I, guess, I could see them. Doing they could that. do that. Easy. That would be really cool. I think actually they're, they're capable of doing that already. But um, they're especially not. <laughs> with because there's there's a different there's different manufacturers that make these, and I know Qualcomm also has a in display fingerprint they have an, reader. It's an ultrasonic one. It's yeah, so that's the one that's going to be on the Galaxy S10, from what I heard. That's the so, rumors, right? So yeah. that's going to be the one that I think is going to make the real difference here, where I think it's going to be almost instantaneous. I feel like so. I don't know. It's still good. I think it's great. Um, I like the aesthetics because really when you look at the front of the Mate 20 Pro, it's literally all screen. Besides, you know, there there is a notch there, but like it, it almost looks like Apple where they tuck that. It is know, a smaller yeah. notch than the iPhone 10 yeah. and 10s and 10s Max. And it is uh, the smallest, one of the smallest bottom uh bezels that the i've chin seen area yeah um i mean the iphone still wins because it doesn't have any at all but i i mean like i'm very i'm very impressed and the other thing you have to understand is the mate 20 has sorry the pro has basically the similar display to the galaxy s9 and the note 9 where like yeah. the edges are kind of like water falling into the frame and so it gives a it's a very narrow phone despite its 6.4 inch screen size yeah it feels almost exactly to me, like the Oppo Find X. That's what it feels like to me. It yeah, is very but it is small. similar in It form seems factor. a little yeah. smaller to me. But you're right. And and it's like it's funny because I design language wise, it really feels like almost like a Samsung phone. It in does, some yeah. S nine, I would say S9. closely. Yeah. Very closely. Yeah. But it's a beautiful phone though, honestly. And it's a 2K Quad HD display, unlike the Mate 10 Pro last year, yeah. which, had, which had a lower res display, the the Mate 10 uh, 20 Pro has a better display in terms of resolution and OLED. Yeah. And the Mate 10, 20 regular has an IPS, as you mentioned earlier, that's yeah. only 1080p. So yeah. that's that's one of the big differences. But the notch is smaller. It's got that like do teardrop, drop or teardrop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it looks really good. Like when you're watching a full screen video, it does look really. But better. it is wider, and I think it's yeah. because it's a six point five inch display, and it's only like eighteen point five to nine aspect yeah, ratio. Yeah, the aspect right? ratio is different, so that's 
what you're gonna see. The Pro has an almost 19 and a half to yeah. nine aspect ratio. It's pretty pretty tall. Yeah, it's tall um, and skinny, but but I like it honestly. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Do you remember the LG Chocolate BL40 yeah. from 2009? <laughs> that super long skinny phone. For sure. Uh, it was a it was a feature phone with a capacitive touch. It yeah. was in the early days, like competing with the iPhone around the same time as the Prada phone from LG, and that thing. Uh, you know, obviously did not have, uh, uh, had a lot of bezel because this is back then, but it had, you know, I think something like at the time an 18.9 display or yeah, 29 or 19.9. And, of... and I'm, I'm, I'm calling this Danny. I think next year we're going to see phones with 29, 25, 20.59 displays i think people are gonna get because you know you can type you can type and you can reach yeah. so much better the only thing that's making android difficult to use on a phone that's really tall like that is the notification area if we can find a way to uh use you know in the same way as like on the pixel you can use the fingerprint yeah. reader on the back so if they if uh, huawei added a capacitive area in the back of the phone that would let you swipe down for the the, the notification tray yeah. You could then have a phone that has a, is even a little maybe maybe a little, narrow, a little narrower and maybe taller and have still you know all this kind of comfort or they can just put it into the launcher. I think even Nova you can swipe in the middle of the screen oh, yeah. and bring down the yeah, uh, that's yeah, true. notification. That would work too. Yeah. That's or, much easier. Yeah. I'm always trying to find more complicated things. <laughs> let's Jesus. just let's put expensive sensors on the I back know. and let's um, make that. Other work. differences between the two phones are uh, we mentioned it. The P20 has a headphone jack. The P20 Pro is only USB-C. The P20 Pro has some really cool features like the the bottom uh, speaker is actually the USB Type-C port. That's kind of neat. I actually missed that on the first run. Makes, makes it look really sleek. Um, and then... Uh, finally, the battery sizes. The Pro has a 4,200 milliamp hour battery and the regular has a 4,000 milliamp hour Which battery. Which is great. And we can't forget the the Pro has uh, IP68 Correct. water and the uh, the regular Mate 20 only has IP53. So basically, if you're going to get the thing wet, then... Yeah, you want the, you want the better one if yeah. you want to... If you're going to get it in the rain very often. So... There's one thing that again before we get to into imaging because there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. I want to talk about this nano SD slash nano memory slash mm. whatever you want to call it new maybe proprietary we're not sure memory card format. Maybe you can explain what your understanding is of what's going on here. I actually was kind of blown away by it because I think you mentioned it when we were at the briefing. I thought, I don't really understand what this really means because why do we need this? I guess the real benefit is, like you said, it's a, both of these are dual SIM, by the way. So when you're using a nano SIM, one of those slots can be used as a nano SD card slot. So there are... That's the question that we had. Is it proprietary? Is it going to be something that's going to be mass adopted? We're not sure. We don't even know where we can buy these. I guess Huawei has, you said Huawei has the patent on them, correct? Yes, somebody said that. Um, so there's a bunch of us have been digging as journalists. That's what we do. Um, and we can't, it's it just like we couldn't get a straight answer from Huawei on the Face ID, whether it works with and, mm -hmm. uh, Google Pay. We can't get a straight answer from them about, about a lot of questions we have around this. This is, I think, what we know. Number one, it is a card that's physically the same size and shape as a nano SIM card. The idea is that the second tray can be used for that, for yeah. extra storage. The second thing we know is that Huawei right now is the only company who makes them and sells them. We don't know when and yeah. where, and we don't know the capacities. Um, third is 
it is apparently SD compatible because um, one of the journalists confirmed that they said there's an adapter that comes with the card that you can slip directly into an SD card device. Okay. To me, the, unless the adapter is complicated and has electronics in it, yes. it would mean that this is just a dumb, you know, circuit that takes every pin from the nano card and makes it work with a regular card. So basically so just a smaller card. I have a feeling it's an SD compatible format, but it is not supported by the SD organization that, you know, kind of sanctifies SD. Hmm. So the question is, it's possible, like happened with NanoSIM, that you, you know, the day the iPhone 4 launched with NanoSIM, sorry, yeah. 5 launched with NanoSIM, and prior to that, the iPhone 4 with MicroSIM, Apple uh, that day announced that they had been kind of like blessed by yes. the, the the GSMA three GSM uh, you know, people the org that keeps track of SIM formats and it be, it became the you know the three FF and four FF form factors the nano and the micro form factors yeah. and so I'm wondering if the same is going to happen where SD format if, uh, org is going to say hey yeah by the way retroactively we've we've made this a stand like this is now the the next size for sd and it's okay yeah and then sandisk can make cards and then kingston can make cards and samsung can make cards and i'm actually hoping this becomes a standard because i really do think that micro sd is really small but if you look at it compared to the the real estate there's in a phone today when you see you know companies having to remove headphone jacks legitimately you know, coming from me, you know I'm pro headphone jack, but I've actually seen some manufacturers how the innards of their phone are so tight that actually removing the headphone jack does make a difference for them. So I can understand like if we could make this card just a little smaller, fit in the same trades, dual purpose, it's kind of a brilliant idea. And so I'm for this idea, but I'm worried that I don't want this to become like memory stick, remember? Yeah. Where it was only Sony, you couldn't find them anywhere, they sucked. Prices were exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it could happen, but like you said, I think if they do adapt this, then or adopt this, this will be really cool. I think because that means most phones now moving forward will be dual SIM probably right off the bat. Because if they do, you know, accept this, it's going to be easy. So we'll have dual SIM, we'll have easy expandable storage. But yeah, I just hope it doesn't become proprietary because I'm just worried about the cost of the memory itself, just because it's a little bit different. I'm more worried about that than anything else. Absolutely. And so, you know, the other thing I could imagine is, you know, how the new iPhones have eSIM and a SIM slot yeah. and the Pixel 2 series and Pixel 3 series also have eSIM and a card slot. What if it's a single SIM slot and also takes the Nano SD and you can use the eSIM if you want, right? Yeah. Like that's another option that could happen because remember in the US, there's still a lot of single SIM phones. Yeah, I think dual SIM is nowhere near as used like no. it is anywhere parts of the world. Like everywhere else, people are using dual SIM I like mean, crazy. It's totally normal in yeah. most places. Uh, and I mean, we're at the point now where in the early days of dual SIM, you know, the secondary SIM could only do 2G for voice and texts and then you had to do like you know choose now like all the huawei phones that are dual sim are like lt on both sims simultaneously yeah. it's like basically two radios functioning at the same time it's kind of insane um so you don't really lose much from having a, a you know nano, a dual sim setup and i'm actually surprised that we're not seeing that more 
standard like i'm surprised that samsung still makes a note 9 dual sim versus a regular note 9 and that we yeah. only get the regular note 9 even unlocked in the us you'd think the unlocked yeah. note 9 would automatically be dual sim one less skew for samsung to keep track of i just don't understand it it's weird i don't know either but i think it'll happen eventually but it's just you know I'm not I mean, sure what's going on. Huawei and the Chinese makers are just on board with the dual SIM on all their phones. They've been there. Like way. OnePlus. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Um, so I think we've given you guys a pretty good picture. Let's talk about the other two phones. Because to me, the one that kind of, okay, so just a bit of a, of a background. Because, you know, I love that I, the listeners love the inside story, Danny. So the inside story is that we got briefings before the event. So yes. They let us make photos and videos. Uh, to basically, uh, you know, publish on time with the big announcement. But we were really surprised that there were two devices they didn't show us ahead of time that we're now scrambling to get some content on. And one is that Mate 20X and the other one is a Mate 20 RS, which is Porsche Designs version. Now, the Porsche Design version is generally a very expensive, beautified pro version that started with the mate 10 last year and then the p20 had a, a mate ver uh, rs version as well but the one that surprised me was the x and i want you to in your own words tell the folks what the x is all about so there were there were rumors about this phone that i heard about before that was after the briefing so i was very surprised that they actually announced it because it was announcing so many things but basically this is the big 7.2 inch version of the mate series that is kind of directed towards media consumption and gaming from what i what i saw from they there. are pitching yeah. it for gamers it's a very interesting approach yeah but yeah that was the biggest thing gaming so they even i, I think upstate in, in on stage he kind of pinned it up against the nintendo switch which is kind of crazy to me i thought wow that's a pretty big bold statement to go against the switch because it's one of the most unique gaming systems that are out there right now and I mean, in my opinion, pretty much untouchable in that space for portable gaming. But um, supposedly this has two different ways to cool. Um, I think it had, uh, they even said it had something to do with graphene in it as well. Yeah, it has like a graphene-based liquid cooling system. Is that, is that, what, yeah, it's like is a that dual, what you understood? It's got like a dual thing. It's got the graphene and it also has the traditional heat sink, I think. And, um, the, but the, the whole back of the plate is kind of like what the Razer phone did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so exactly. it's got that as well. So it's got a dual kind of cooling system. It's still got the, the high-end flagship uh, specs that are inside of it. But it's got a 1080p display, though. That's the thing. So what's, yeah, what's really weird is that to me it's a 7.2-inch with very little bezel and the teardrop do drop yeah. display. So it looks like the Mate 20 base, uh, like grown up in size, also has a headphone jack yep. and the fingerprint reader in the back. So at first sight, it just looks like you, they made it bigger. But yeah. then you dig deeper and you find out, okay, wait a minute. You find out that it's not an IPS panel, but it's yep. an OLED and that it's 1080p. So at that size, that's actually pretty big pixels. Yeah. Uh, and then you find out that it has the camera system from the Pro. And we're going to yeah. talk about the imaging because there's some differences between the camera system in the Pro RS and X versus the base mate 20. And then it has... A 5,000 milliamp hour battery, Huge. which is amazing. And stereo speakers yeah, the speaker that are really cool. pretty, like, yeah. you see how much space was yeah. inside from pretty the big. diagram they showed? That thing has got to sound pretty dope. Yeah. And then um, 
Honestly, the thing totally intrigues me. Like it's it's insane to think that you can put in your pocket something that's seven point two inches. That's the size of a freaking tablet, iPad. Yeah, think Nexus it. 7. seven. But yeah. think about how much bezel the Nexus Seven had. Imagine yeah. you remove that, you can actually probably stick that in your pocket. It's tough. It's a big one. I it's saw a, today where did I was you try you put it in your pocket. I was messing with it today, uh, and it's really big. But the screen for 1080p, it doesn't look as bad as I, I thought it was going to look kind of terrible to be honest because it's such a big screen but it actually looks crisp and it's bright and the oled definitely helps it's so, thin too it's really yeah it's thin. really nice it actually it actually feels all right i'm really in i'm just really i don't know i'm drawn to this phone for some reason because we you have all to think, are. We, we we moved away from these big phones we're trying to get back into the slim smaller form factor basically more screen smaller size but now it's just like we're always like, I don't give a damn. We're just going to go for the biggest phone we can make. And they did it. And it's just polarizing to me. Like, I just, I mean, I want to use it. I, I kind of joked as a, <laughs> on Twitter yesterday, like the phablets are back. Like, that's why it, it kind of feels like this is the new version of what a phablet used to be. Remember, yeah. there used to be a radical size difference between the note and everything else. And that's and what to I forgot, me, too. It also has a pen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But it doesn't have a silo for it, does it? I don't know. If I, it, didn't I don't see I didn't it. see a silo for it, but it has the same type of pressure sensitivity and probably it's probably a Wacom type of uh, pen as well. But that's neat because it's not just for gaming. Then that's what I meant. It had this this product is very, I don't know, so wi wide base It's gaming. It's, you know, entertainment. But then you also have pen. So is it for productivity? I mean, it's just there's so much going on here. And, you know, the other thing that's intriguing to me is that it's just barely more expensive than the P20. Sorry, the Mate 20, 20 base. Yeah. Yet it has a Mate 20 Pro camera system. Mm -hmm. It has an OLED screen, which is technically better than the IPS on the base mate. So it's like. A very weird mystery because the Mate 20 Pro is expensive. It's quite a bit more expensive than the oh, Mate yeah, 20. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then the RS is like, we're talking up to like, I think some, one of the SKUs was like 2,000 Euro, euros. Over 2,000 yeah. euros, which is insane. So that's one of the things that I, that, that's one of the things we didn't know, by the way, for the backstory. We didn't know, when we got brief, we didn't know the prices at all. Right. So we were all blown away by the phones, especially the Mate 20 Pro. I was like, okay, this could be phone of the year here. But then it was like, what is the price going to be? And then when we saw it, I think it's they announced thousand it at euro. 1,049 euros. Yeah. And it's com not coming to the States, so we don't know States pricing. But they did say that in, in the UK, it was going to be sold for 900 pounds. So that's less than the iPhone XS, from what I know. I think that, you know, typically when we see a price in euros, we get the equivalent price in the US, meaning like the same number. So I think it's about a $1,000 phone Yeah, is what I'm calling it now. Pricey. It's very pricey, but then, then again, you know, like it's still, that's not the price of the 10s Max. That's the price of the 10s. Yeah. That's the price of the Note 9, you know, roughly. Yeah, it is. Um, it's expensive, but I'm just yeah. saying like, honestly, if you put it in front of me right now, now that I've played with all three, yeah. you put the S, uh, the 10s and the Mate 20 Pro and the Note 9 in front of me, I'd pick the, I'd pick the Mate 20 Pro hmm. right now. I'm very impressed with that phone. And, and we can talk about our impressions. Um, I think it's time to maybe switch to imaging, though, because yeah. I want, you, you know, you and I are both photo buffs. I think you're much more of kind of like a, a traditional photographer in, a, in your outlook on, on the, Im the image quality and the processing stuff, where I'm kind of like, you know, I, of course, have done a lot of traditional photography, but I, I'm always very interested to kind of try new things. 
And I'm a big fan of computational photography, mm -hmm. even though sometimes it fails because, you know, like all machine learnings, it's a little wonky at times. But um, this is camera system. So, let you know, to give you guys some who are listening some perspective, uh, I know you folks don't necessarily remember or know, but the P20 Pro was a bit of a milestone device in terms of imaging because sure. it had three sensors. It had a, a main sensor that was 40 megapixel f over 1.8 with no OIS. It had a monochrome sensor, 20 megapixel f over 1.6 to enhance a dynamic range and low light performance. And it had an eight megapixel f over 2.4, three time optical zoom with OIS lens uh, for, you know, for zooming, for tele. Um, and, and it had a lot of computational photography added to that and a pretty fast processor to back it up. Now, the Mate 20 um, Pro basically takes that formula and replaces the 20 megapixel non-OIS f over 1.6 monochrome sensor with a 20 megapixel f over 2.2 ultra wide angle with autofocus mm -hmm. and no OIS Important. sensor. And the with autofocus is interesting because LG has been doing this wide, super wide angle for a while on a lot of phones, G6, V30, V35, uh, G7, V40, I think the V20 before that. So it's been a while, and the G5 at wide angle as well. Right? Yeah, so it's been no, a while. They've been, they've been using it for but a very long time. But none of them have autofocus, and you're going to say, well, it doesn't matter. You're doing wide angles. But it turns out that if you did put autofocus on a wide angle lens like that, you now have a macro lens that can yeah. take photos as close as 2.5 centimeters. That's an inch from yeah. the phone in distance. You can get as close to an inch from an object and get a perfectly focused image. Um, and so that's what the camera system on the Mate 20 Pro is. It basically is fundamentally ex almost the same as the P20 Pro, but it swaps that monochrome for ultra wide angle. And, you know, with a much faster ISP and processor. And the reason they said they don't miss the monochrome. And, you know, again, the proof is in the pudding. We'll figure yeah. this out for you. We'll test it. But apparently the it, the imaging algorithms have gotten so good and the processing power is so high on this chip that they can kind of get from the raw data of the sensor, the 40 megapixel sensor, enough to get the dynamic range where they want it to be without resorting to using the black and white. In fact, they've told us that on the P20 Pro, it, the, in the last few iterations of them improving the software, they're using the monochrome sensor less and less. Yeah. So maybe there's some truth to this. So far, after 24 hours, I'm very impressed with the quality of the camera. I, it seems that the 40 megapixel and telephoto perform as well as what I remember them. A little faster, perhaps. And then the wide angle has been a delight, especially because the P20 Pro also introduced something called night mode, which is also on the Mate 20 Pro. And that is basically where you don't need a tripod. You can hand hold, hand hold your phone and take a photo and depending what the settings are, either manual settings or the settings that it automatically figures out, you, you, you hold the phone for four to eight seconds uh, and it takes this kind of basically stacked bunch of photos to create a long exposure. But you don't have to worry about it being blurry because it, it kind of compensates for motion um, using AI and using, yeah. you know, basically electronic artificial intelligence stabilization. And it's gorgeous. The result is insane. It's like ultra HDR. It's like HDR pushed the limit. And yeah. in low light, it's fantastic. So mm -hmm. they have that as well. Um, and then 
What's the difference between that and the Mate 20, the regular Mate 20? The Mate 20 has, I know for sure, um, it's, it's a different setup. Um, I'm not sure exactly what specifications are different on the actual uh, camera itself, but it, it's not the same setup. It does have the same triple camera type setup where the, it does have the wide angle as well. But you see, I think all of the lenses are different, correct? Yeah, I think that it's the sensors. The lens, the f-stops are the same. Um, it's the, the, the main sensor. The main different. sensor is, is, it's like on the P20 Pro versus the P20. The main sensor is was, uh, went down from 40 uh, to 12, but it has large pixel 12. Yeah. Um, and so it, and in my test of the original P, P20, yeah. it was actually a pretty decent sensor. Yeah. And so it should be okay there. And then the wide angle, they scaled it down from a 20 megapixel to a 16. Yeah. So that's what we have. But it's only on the P20, oh, sorry, on the Mate 20. The Mate 20X, the Mate 20 RS, and the Mate 20 Pro all have the 40 megapixel and 20 yeah. megapixel sensor pair. The 40 megapixel sensor is just so different. And I think it's so game changing because of the bidding that it does. Because basically, I think it's equivalent to like a two micron sensor. So that's a huge thing for uh, the 40 megapixel plus the one thing that i like is when you, you can just take it like right now in in default it goes down it's a 40 megapixel sensor but it takes a 10 megapixel image so you can actually take all of that off take a master eye off and you can actually just shoot in 40 megapixels and you can actually shoot 40 megapixels plus raw which is amazing yeah JPEG it's pretty raw. amazing so you do get different processing off of that so i think the 40 megapixel sensor is the big deal just just like miriam said i mean night I mean, night mode is just, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And you can actually use it during the daytime too to get incredible HDR. Like it's like, like you said, super HDR. Yeah. It's unreal. And nighttime photos, P20 Pro really did set a standard for nighttime photos. I mean, it just is incredible. Yeah. And I'm seeing that again with the Mate 20 Pro. And so that's basically the imaging setup. And, you know, again, we're going to, I'm sure there'll be some comparisons between P20 Pro and Mate 20 Pro and P20 and Mate 20 regular. Uh, because they're very similar um, and uh, and see if that monochrome missing makes a difference see what the wide angle brings to the table i i can tell you right after 24 hours the wide angle brings a lot oh to yeah the i'm table. totally i'm totally fine with the swap with the monochrome i mean wide angle is probably the most useful sensor you can have on a smartphone because you just don't realize it until you use it <laughs> you use the thing and you're like why why hasn't wide angle been in my life the entire time and the thing with lg is they've been doing it forever but it's always the quality that's been an issue for me with lg like yeah. you can there's a noticeable difference between the main sensor and the wide angle sensor and it just you just don't get the same quality so i'm hoping that this will come out to be the same but I, i'm really seeing this kind of the same feature on the mate 20 pro right now i'm seeing that there is kind of a quality loss there so i'm a little bit disappointed in that fact but in but i mean just just the field of view is just absolutely incredible we were at the london eye today and just just the amount of stuff you can capture is just it's mind-blowing and i saw less distortion on their lens uh, and that's probably because of Leica here. I see, you know, the, all those lenses are Leica certified. So I see, I see less distortion than on my V40, for example. Yeah. And, and, but I think where, where, where LG might have an edge, which I think Huawei kind of compensates for in AI is that the LG have an f-stop of 1.9 on those ultra wide angles, yeah. whereas uh, Huawei is f2.2, right? So that's yeah. quite a bit of a difference. Um, but you're right, the, for, for what it says on paper, the LG one should be better. And for what it says on paper, I think 
the Huawei one delivers quite a bit. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just it's processing too as well. LG's processing is not my favorite. So that's the one thing I think that once LG figures out their actual processing of their photos, I think they're going to be much better off. But uh, V40 was an improvement for sure. But I just don't think that their processing is that great. But, you know, I have the same kind of issues with Huawei. I feel like like today we we're taking pictures. I took a lot of side by side pictures with the Pixel 3 XL today. And in most scenarios, I felt like the Pixel 3 XL did a substantially better, but not in all, not in all situations. But I mean, it just, the, I mean, there's two things. I don't know if you agree with me, but with Huawei, I feel like the overexposure is still there. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's always by a stop or so. And some people like overexposure. So I get that. I'm okay with that. I if tend you to like, like it. it. <laughs> yeah. So if you like things a little bit brighter, you're cool with that. And, and the, I still see the sharpening. There's still some sharpening that's happening there. It's a little too much. But at the same time, the one thing that I got to give with the master AI settings this time, and it's off by default this time, which is great. So you don't have that. But I, I really, I noticed it when I was up at the London Nine. I was taking pictures. I turned on master AI and it was cool that it recognized a photo that might be better in wide angle. So it popped up a thing and said, do you want to use regular or wide angle? And it just made, you can switch right there, which was pretty amazing. That's kind of cool. That's the kind of AI that I want. Is that, hey, this could be better in wide angle. Like, do you want to switch to that or no? And if you don't want to, you can just still take the picture. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I, I think they're doing some interesting stuff. And actually, it's interesting that you bring that up because I love my Pixel 2 before and now Pixel 3. I mean, XL, I've been an XL user. On, and I've, I just, By the way, listeners, I've decided on the XL again this year simply because I need more screen real estate. Sure. The notch bothers me like a lot. But, oh, yeah, it's but the, the point is that... Um, you know, I, I I am a big fan of what the pixels produce, um, but I'm I feel like when I want to be creative, the I go I was going to the P20 Pro and now I'm going to be going to the May 20 Pro yeah. thing because you know ultimately just that flexibility. Like I think you know Google does pretty good with one lens in the back. The super zoom is a big pretty, improvement. Pretty phenomenal, actually. Um, think about it. And I can't wait for that crazy night mode that they've announced. Which is kind um, of the same. Is it not is, the same thing well, as we what Huawei's already like, been doing? Let's see if it does the stabilization the same way. Because yeah. I hope it is. Because yes. when P20 Pro introduced that, I it was, was like, was every company yeah. needs to do this. I mean, yeah, they, there's no was. reason they can't. It's just a matter of computational stuff. So, and because everybody's got 845 in there now. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I actually, I kind of want to know, like, and if you like take the current flagships, like what is the company that you feel does the best job at processing and that you personally subjectively like the best out of the box out of the box i i'm gonna have to say if you don't want to touch a picture at all i think the google pixel probably does the best in terms of don't touch it share it right off the bat um there are problems with google too as well there's a lot of people that are just google like pixel purists and like hey i love it i love everything about it but as you know, when you take pictures with it, it does crush the blacks very heavily. It's super contrasty. And sometimes it's sharper in areas maybe that you don't want. Yeah, so there's, there's a that. lot of sharpening. Mm -hmm. It's super sharp. Then it looks good. But I tend to land with the natural side of processing. And even though that the iPhone this year, 10s, 10s Max, they have gone crazy with the HDR. I feel like the HDR is super aggressive this year. But I still feel like it lands the most natural in color. And and the natural most natural rendition, especially when it comes to portrait mode. 
Because yeah. portrait mode is a big deal. Even, you know, we took portrait mode pictures today. Yeah. And Huawei tends to soften quite heavily. When you take a portrait shot, it softens. And that's what, I think that's why people love the Google Pixel 3XLs or 2XLs portrait mode. Because it's so sharp in portrait mode still. But it does show every imperfection in the face. And that's where I feel like there's a lot of beauty mode stuff happening with the Huawei phones too right now still. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I, I mean, even turned off, I could see it. Yeah, it, on zero... It's still front there. Front-facing camera is still there. I mean, yeah. it is smoothing out no, heavily. So we didn't talk about front-facing camera, but it's the same as on the P20, P20 Pro on mm -hmm. both Mate 20, Mate 20 Pro and Mate X. Yes, 20X. 24, 24 right. megapixels, yeah. Yeah, 24 megapixel, f over 2.0. Um, they do a lot of pixel binning on that 24 megapixel yeah. from what I understand. So it's, um, you know, don't worry about the res. This is not a resolution thing. It's not more a light, um, low light kind of uh, uh resolution for the sake of capturing light not capturing detail um and and you know it's i mean honestly i took a bunch of selfies and and portraits and stuff with the pixel versus the huawei today and other pixel absolutely wins on portrait oh for sure absolutely it, it pretty much smashes everything that's out there i mean when it comes to portrait and plus when pixel did that wide angle front thing that kind of kind of changed the game for us uh, i mean I, no, I actually you know i want to talk about that because it's interesting to me that they went with two lenses when you they're so proud of only having a single yeah. lens in the back, even like with the super zoom and stuff. Like, why didn't they put a wide angle on the front? Yeah. A quality wide angle. Yep. And then gave us the narrow angle just purely in software, basically. They could have done that. But and and I don't I just don't get it. It's like seems overly complex. As a result, we have a nasty notch because I originally thought the notch was going to be for, for face, face yeah, authentication for face. with, too, with a projector like properly done depth, time of flight, uh, etc. And it's it's strange to me yet because they they're so proud of their rear camera being a single unit. That you just know, makes remember me think, doing the presentation yeah. in New York? They were yeah. just like, rah, rah, rah. We don't need no tele or wide angle. We've got it all, you know? I just feel like that's the direction they're moving in. Because I think that they're forced by the industry that we will probably see the next Pixel not have a single lens on the back. Yeah, they have I think to. They, I think they have to adopt. And and, and that, that's the one thing. That's, that's the one thing I, I think everybody talks about in the tech industry where, like, I wish every camera system kind of work like the pixel right so you have to think imagine like because we were talking today like how awesome would it be to have a mate 20 pro android one edition it would just be like oh my god it would be awesome it would just be mind-blowing but then you have to think about all the camera stuff that's not in the android you know like the apk for the actual camera stuff how would it handle that then why would it have to do all that stuff and but it still would be amazing but i think that's what makes all this android stuff unique is Everybody's got a different approach to processing, different camera systems, and I actually quite like it. I, I like the differentiation because not one camera system is for everyone. So I kind of like that differentiation in between. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you know, you used to go to LG for the wide angle and you used to go to, you know, Samsung for the tele and you yep. used to go to like... Um, you know, Google for the pixel for all of the computational and the portrait and everything. And, you know, used to go to Huawei. Well, I mean, I've been using Huawei phones for a while now for creative stuff because I feel that with their Leica partnership, their color science is really solid. It's really different. I would say it's different. 
I like um, it. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that if you're, yeah, I mean, it does have a very artistic look. And that's another thing. Like, we talked about Google with the two front-facing cameras. The same thing that Huawei did with the with the monochrome sensor. Because you remember back in the P10 days, they really pushed that monochrome sensor. Yeah, they big did. Big time. Yeah, and yeah. for artistic and creative reasons, they, they're like, oh, the monochrome sensor is different. It's different than slapping on a, you know, black and white filter. It's totally different. And all the purists would tell you yes. But then Huawei just basically told us no. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like that—that's a big turnaround for them. I mean, the P9 was the first phone with it, and I remember the dynamic range on the P9 blew my mind. And I knew it was because of the monochrome sensor yeah. and them doing some computational stuff. Um, but hey, you know that's where we are. By the way, as an aside for all you folks listening, there is still a monochrome mode. Obviously, it's artificial, yep. but it's still there, exactly the same mode, basically the same operation as before. So you can still select it. And and uh, they are assuring us the Leica folks we talked to today that they used you know their Leica magic sauce to make this mm -hmm. monochrome with the right kind of vibe you know they have a bit of a darker monochrome vibe to their monochrome i have not let's see tested that, it today yeah let's see if that's true we we don't know yet but i, mean, I heavily use monochrome on the may 10 oh you like it huh? yeah and on p10 p10 i used it a ton in barcelona i love it i shot about a hundred uh, more than a hundred just shots with just monochrome alone because i felt like every time you shoot monochrome you think differently and absolutely and, and you look at things in shadows Completely. and lines you and look at light yeah. you don't look at color you don't get distracted with color yeah. you look at composition more yeah i i really like it i agree 100 yeah. percent. it totally changed my mind and, on what monochrome was and when, you know with the with the older phones before the p20 pro and the mate 20 pro um the with the monochrome you lot you there was no stabilization yeah so with the p20 pro they they stabilize it artificially and obviously with this there's no monochrome so you're stabilizing artificially and it's artificial monochrome so it'll be interesting to see how it ch how it changes the game when i want to be creative and go shooting around in monochrome um but honestly um i don't know i think i think it if you look at the whole package of the Mate 20 Pro right now, like I can't, you know, people are constantly telling me like, why do you review phones? It's so boring. They're all the same slabs of metal and glass, you know, that do things and they're all, there's so little difference between them all. And I'm like, and, and nothing's new. It's just the same boring and they're getting more expensive. And every year, you know, you feel like you need to buy a new one. I hate it. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, if there's a poster child for innovation, it's freaking the Mate 20 Pro. Like, there's not a phone out today that has packed this much tech into a slab of metal and glass. It's kind of, to me, it's exciting. It's not a huge difference from the rest of the phones. But if you actually look at the individual pieces, I always thought of the Note, you know, series. The Note 9 yeah, this Note year 9 was very is like close everything to the but the yeah. kitchen sink. Like they put freaking everything in it's there. It's a great phone. Stylus, headphone jack, wireless charging. And then you look at, you know, the Mate obviously doesn't have, the Mate 20 Pro doesn't have headphone jack and I'm like, you know, Huawei. <laughs> but at the same time, you look at it and you're like, wow, like they packed a lot of stuff in there. There is innovation going on and they're trying and they're, and I think they're succeeding. And I love the the, the camera design in the back with the the four kind of the the, the, rec, the square. It looks different. It yeah. was inspired, they said, by the headlights of the Porsche. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously Porsche design works with Huawei a lot. That's why there's that Mate 20 RS, which is, by the way, in every way a Mate 20 Pro. Whereas in the past, it's always been a little different. Like let the 
the previous version that came with the P20 Pro had an in-display yeah. fingerprint reader. Yeah, this one is just basically a different is... back. It's got leather and glass mix on the back end of it, and that's pretty much it. And the camera uh, doesn't protrude. It's yeah. kind of flush, which is interesting. Uh, the camera pod, I should say. Still good. But just, just to kind of reiterate what you said, I think that Huawei, um, I mean, as, as looking at, I don't know how many smartphones we look at every year, but I'm looking back in Huawei's history. Like when I was sitting in that presentation, I'm just thinking, okay, there's so many things that Huawei has done. They're the only company I feel like right now because they're not a young company, but I feel like they're still, for some reason, I still think they're fresh in the game. And like, there's so many things that they've done that so many other, like, I know that Huawei copies too as well. So don't, don't get me wrong here, but everybody does, but they're, they're the company that is not afraid to ch try new things. And that's why when they first introduced that monochrome sensor, everybody thought this is stupid. Like, why would you put a monochrome sensor on there? They look at how many phones came after that, that had monochrome sensors. It yeah. was pretty crazy. Like they, you know, like people went with that. And it's the same thing here when it comes to uh, photography with, I mean, I, I know wide angle is not something that is not completely new, but they're not afraid to try new things like the bold well, wireless charging and all these different things that might be copied. Like, I feel like Huawei's the only one that's kind of really wide angle with autofocus. Yeah. That's new. Nobody's done that. Yeah, they're just not afraid to try new things, I feel like. And if they fail, they fail, they don't. But I feel like there's so many things that have been copied from that series that I think we'll see that on other phones coming up in the new year. And it will say, okay, yeah, that was done on Huawei first. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's interesting. So I want to spend a few more minutes talking about the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL because while Huawei is stealing the show this week with all their announcements, this is also the week where the embargo lifted for the Pixel 3 and Pixel 3 XL. If you listeners remember, last week we talked about this with Chris Davies about the launch of the Pixel 3, Pixel 3 XL, but we couldn't tell you too much about the phones because a lot of stuff was basically, you know, our reviews and we could only have first impressions. Yeah. And so now we're done. Um, and so we've all played with the phones extensively. I've been using mine for a few days. For, I'll be honest, not as long as I wanted to because it's been phone apocalypse this <laughs> October between all these phones that are being announced, the Razer 2, the V40. We've got the OnePlus 6T coming up. We've got, you know, I don't know. I've lost track. There's I've so lost many. track. There's, I think there was like eight la phone launches so far already or something. It's, it's just out of control. It's right? out of control. So, um... What is your take, very quickly, on the Pixel 3, Pixel 3 XL versus last year versus each other? Which one would you pick? I think Pixel 3, Pixel 3 XL this year. I, I, I think some people might not agree with me, but I think this one is nowhere near the monumental leap that it was Pixel 1 versus Pixel 2. I think that was a huge leap. I agree. But I think that this one is very iterative. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a good phone, but... Though it did fix a lot of problems that I think that people complained about the 2XL, which is really great because the display is a, a crap ton better. The display oh is God. so yeah. much better. And, and that's the one thing that kept me from not using my Pixel 2XL because that display was just so gross. It was bad. <laughs> so I, I didn't I didn't use that. But I feel like the, the photography is great, right? The cameras are great. Um, and, and if you want the wide angle front camera, that's also awesome as well, portrait mode. But I feel like the camera is also not a huge leap. I feel like there's little minor things on computational photography that are better. But I feel like the Pixel 2 XL was already so good. It was so hard for them to, you know, like add on top of that, you know. And I think that it's still good, though. 
but I think that if you have a Pixel 2 XL and you're happy with it, I don't see a huge reason to jump to the 3XL besides obviously the display. And me personally, I'm not getting super good battery life as well on the Pixel 3XL. Um, I'm getting a full days, but I like it's I'm going to sleep. It's about with like the same 5%, as my 2XL. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's my it's the same as my 2XL and my 2XL battery is a year old. Yeah, and, and I thought my 2XL battery was kind of starting to suck, but it, you know maybe it was placebo. Maybe yeah. it's just because oh, it's been a year, so in my head I'm thinking it's worse. Yeah. But you know, with software updates, it gets worse. It seems, and um, so I feel like the Pixel Three XL is certainly a little better than my Two XL simply because it's a brand new phone. Yeah, but it's not, as you said, it's not like it's not a marathon runner. No, not at all, and I think that. And that's fine because I think Google's still in this position to do what they're doing right now. And I think they're totally okay with it. But it's not that big jump. I think people were really waiting for the 3XL. And that thing just got leaked so hard that I think no, and that nobody... And notch. Even, I mean, it's so ugly. It's like, wow. It's, a, it's atrocious. It's actually intrusive, in my opinion. Like, and it looks honestly, cute. the chin below is ridiculous, too. Like, if you're going to have yeah. a notch, like... The whole point is that you don't have as much of a chin. I just don't understand why they couldn't still have some sort of cavity... Uh, on a notch that would be was very narrow, uh, maybe a long cavity instead of a narrow cavity, and then um, you know do what Essential did, where like there's a slit for the earpiece, yeah. like right above the display. Like do that for the stereo speaker, still give us a, a decent sized cavity right under the display, and then have the notch at the top for the cameras. Granted, have a smaller notch. Basically, look at the V40 design yeah. or the Mate 20 Pro design we just talked about. They have a tiny little chin and a decently small enough notch. And then they, you know, imagine adding the, the two slits for the for the stereo speakers to that. Like that to me would be what I expected. I would even be cool with the notch if it was that big, if it actually had functionality. That's yeah, like that face if, scanner that yeah, we want. Or wanted. even if it had some notifications or something or something custom that would take advantage of that tall notch i'd say okay because even when you disable the notch now you don't even get any of the notifications on the top unless you do you know some custom stuff there's other apps that you can do to get that but like when you shrink it down it looks just like a 2xl you have a, all that space is completely wasted absolutely and you know the nice thing, though, is that the OIS charging, finally, that's back. Finally. That's At the great. rate they're going, they reintroduced OIS last year. Mm -hmm. They reintroduced what is charging this year. Danny, I'm being optimistic here. They're going to reintroduce <laughs> the headphone jack next year. Oh, no, no way. No, I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> but, I'm just joking. You know, as audio purists, you know, like for me, too, as well, I love audio. But, I mean, it's it's done. I it's think. done. It's if finished. you want a good phone with audio, buy an LG phone. That's done. it. And and I even think, I think we discussed that too. I think LG is also going to throw in the towel soon. Oh, thing. absolutely. I think that quad deck is phenomenal, but I think it's only going to be a money losing thing. proposition yeah. for them. They're tight right now. They're not selling phones very well. It doesn't make sense for them to continue promoting this technology. They could save money and space in the phone. I hate to say this, but I think LG is going to be next to go. Samsung yep. might be going too, but I might. We might see one more generation out of Samsung. I think S10 will have a, a, a will have one for sure. But I think sooner or later, whenever they decide to release this Galaxy X thing and everything else that's coming up, I think headphone jack will go as well. And I think it's just a. So what about the Pixel 3 regular? To me last year, the Pixel 2 regular, as much as spec-wise, it was just a scaled-down Pixel 2 XL, yeah. I could not deal with it because I could not deal with having a 16.9 phone with 
bezel-tastic madness. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. And also the design language, because it was made by HTC versus the 2XL made by LG, you, they were they didn't feel like they were part of the same family. Not one of the things I love about this year is the 3 and 3XL feel like they're one and the same, almost shrunk down with, the, with respect to each other. And I feel I could live with the 3 it's quite beautiful. It still has a little too much bezel, but at least it's 18.9 now. Yeah. I think it's in it, the design language, like it fits with the other one. So to that, to me, that's great. Um, I, I thought for a while, for a moment, for a brief moment, I thought I was going to take the three as my yeah. main phone. I regret not getting the smaller three. But honestly, after using it to just like keyboard, like the keyboard, I realized the keyboard is going to be too small. small for me. Well, the form factor is very similar to the iPhone 10, I would say, in size. So for people that want a smaller phone, I think the Pixel 3 XL is, oh, absolutely. Pixel 3 is actually it. a hit because it feels good, actually. I see, I would even argue it's a better feeling phone than the 3XL. Like for just, sure. Just the way that it fits in the oh, hand. Oh, it and feels stuff. amazing yeah, in the hand. Yeah, it fits great. When and I touched it, I was like, I'm switching to that. But then I started typing on the keyboard. I was like, oh, I need more real estate. Screen looks good, too, as well. So I think that this year, that's what I mean. The 3, I think, is... Probably that sleeper one that I think that most people will be happy with. I, I even know a couple of the journalists that went with the oh, absolutely instead. And do you see iFixit torn down? Um, and they found that it's a Samsung display on at least on the big one. I don't know about the smaller one. Oh, so okay. they're definitely that's why the gone, shift is better. They've yeah. gone with Samsung. Thank God. Um, speaking of shift, there is a bit of shift on the Mate 20 Pro. Oh, That's a little disappointing. It was bad. Right? I ruined a lot of people's day yesterday. When yeah, we you totally phones, ruined my like, day. Everybody's, because I was like, hey, <laughs> have you seen the shift? They're like, no. Like, what do you mean? And it's like, hey, tilt it real quick. And it just turns yellow. Like, yeah. it's not it's not bad. It's not as bad as the XL, 2XL, when I first got it from Google. Like, that one was horrible, that blue shift. But I would have to say the, the Huawei Mate 20 Pro has a yellow shift. And it's not as drastic, but when you do look at it from an angle, you can see it. The whole display just turns yellow. And since the the it's got a curved display, when you put it down on a table, that curve has a yellow stripe on the. Now curve. you're ruining it even more for me, Danny. Thanks. <sighs> Nobody's uh, gonna want to hang out whatever. with me anymore after nah, this. That's what I told all, people. We, we love you. It's cool. And that's actually honestly, this is what I like about Danny. I want you guys to know. And you should watch his his videos and stuff because he's super picky. You think I'm freaking picky. <laughs> You've never met somebody as like, I think I like that. I like that you're super objective about stuff because, you know, I'm a very emotional person. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I'm like really on it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, technically speaking, this is not quite as perfect as I expected. Whereas you're super cool, super like level head. And you're like, guys, check this out. This is not quite as good as we expected. And you know, honestly, so far, if we look at the Mate 20 Pro 24 hours with it, I would say for me, the face ID could be a little bit better. Like uh -huh. it's not perfect because I had to register multiple times my face issues. You've pointed out the display flaws, lack of headphone jack, of course. What else do you think is kind of like, eh, it could be a little better? I think a lot of it is just software. Um, if I'm not mistaken, our units right now are not on final software. That's right. They're not on so final that, software. So that, that's why I can't really say anything until I use it a little bit more and get final software. But I'm just hoping in the future. What, what What's good about Huawei is, is that um, they do listen, I feel like. We, I mean, uh, us, we complain quite a bit when it comes to things because I hate... I almost hate this position that we're in because smartphones are so damn good right now that we're almost we're almost designed to like look for flaws in smartphones right now because they're all just so good to a certain level and then we're only nitpicking the things that aren't good but that's what the consumer's looking at right now too is like all the important things 
I just want all these people to get the right things, the display, the camera, the battery life. Those are things that we're still looking for. And I hope that this phone becomes that. But when it comes to final software, I'm hoping that they will tune the camera just a little bit more. I hope that they'll, at least in the next iteration, that they'll listen a little bit more on the camera. But um, besides that, I, I totally agree. I think that this could be smartphone of the year 2018. I, I feel like not... Not every smartphone is just the camera, just the battery, just the display. It's like a culmination of the entire product. Yeah, it's and I feel some like, of everything. And huh? I feel like this phone has pretty much everything that people would want in a phone, besides obviously the headphone jack. But there's a lot of firsts in this phone. Yeah. And I feel like that this could be the smartphone of the year. And I think that this actually might stay in my pocket over the Pixel 3 XL. That sounds crazy, but it could happen. It's the first time I'm really considering, thinking really hard about whether do I want to continue with the Pixel as my main phone. Not that the Pixel 3 XL is a bad phone at all. I'm very happy with it. But I'm like, maybe it's time for a change. You know, I've been from G1 to I went to the Magic, which was, you know, the no, T-Mobile yeah. one, to uh, the Droid, to the Nexus 1, ne Galaxy Nexus. No, a Nexus S first. Galaxy oh, Nexus, yeah. so you know, cool. Nexus 4, Nexus 5, Nexus... Uh, six, then five. I did the five X very briefly. I did the six B for most of the year that year, yep. and then Pixel XL, Pixel Two XL, and so you know I'm kind of like conditioned to kind of accept the Google phone as my thing, but like I'm starting to question it. The big thing that's worrying me is obviously having access to the latest builds and all that, and and EMUI nine is not my taste. It's not um, my taste either. I have so. to admit that it keeps keeps getting less intrusive and better every year. Um, but you know, I have to give Huawei credit for being like, you know what, you don't like it, tough. We yeah. are going to continue. We think it adds value to our customer. They're not afraid to disagree with us, and you know, they might not be right, but at the same time, you know, I, I remember having these arguments with samsung about touch with back in the yeah. day and and they were they defended but they had nothing to stand on whereas yeah. and huawei defends it and every now and then they kind of blow your mind they show well, you something they're and they're like, a little bit though right because i mean I mean, they, they, they did you yeah. know half down their menu yeah. system which is already still yeah, that's like what six. i'm saying they're, they went they're from four billion it. to two billion so we're we're okay i yeah, mean they're, yeah, they're you know absolutely. they're starting to do that but that's the one thing i that's one thing i guess is hard for us that live in the u.s that it's difficult to think that people would want all these extra values because we don't use them. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. In some parts of the world, they love this stuff. And remember, if there's one big flaw and one big disappointment, all four of these new phones from Huawei is that they will never come to the U.S. Which is absolutely sad, in my opinion. Oh. I think people should be able to at least witness these phones. I, I don't think people would spend it. And I, just, just me, I don't think people would spend $1,000 on a phone that they don't know from a brand perspective. Yeah. But I just think that... This phone probably deserves more in the U.S. I wish they would at least sell the Pro in the U.S. I know it sucks that they can't get a carry on board, but I just feel like they should at least sell it through somewhere. Unlocked, like B alongside Amazon somewhere. I mean, let, let somebody buy yeah. it. You know, Alongside their laptops, which are awesome. Which is one of the best laptops in 2018, by the way. I've yeah. used a ton of laptops. The that MateBook Pro X, X is. Pro, yeah. You have to think, the Surface Laptop 2 just came out. And the uh, the Huawei MateBook X Pro came out in the summer, and that still pretty much blows away the Microsoft Surface Book Two right now, or Laptop Two, sorry, because the specs wise, the highest end spec Surface Laptop Two is about twenty two hundred dollars, and almost that same spec on the MateBook 
X Pro is fifteen hundred dollars. I know it's, it's and it's got laptop. a and it's got a GPU. It's not a great GPU, but it's still a dedicated GPU. So it's a beautiful laptop too. The screen is incredible. The the screen to body ratio is incredible. I'm not I'm not a fan of the huge Huawei branding on the top. That's about yeah. the only thing. But I mean, when it comes to build quality, the bezels, the display, the performance, and it's, the speakers, that thing is incredible. It's solid. It's yeah, solid. Really good. Well, on that note, I think we've got a show here. So, um, Danny, tell the audience where they can find you on the Internet if they don't for some reason know who the hell you are. They're missing out, but you should tell them. Okay, so you can find me on YouTube, um, just www.youtube.com slash Danny Winget. The last name, W-I-N-G-E-T. Um, and you can find me on all social at Super Scientific. Um, it's an old DJ name. I'm into music, so that's what it is. So, at Super Scientific and on YouTube, Danny Winget. Yeah, check it out. Great videos. I will link to your um, various Mate content and your Pix uh, Pixel 3 content as well awesome. in the show notes. So keep an eye on the show notes for that because obviously we didn't cover any news on this show uh, because we really wanted to focus on the the, the, the so much to unpack about this, this Mate event. Um, you guys know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Twitter. That's at T-N-K-G-R-L. Same handle on Instagram. It's like the comic book character Tank Girl without the vowels. And then you can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Miriam Joir. That's my full name spelt out, Miriam with a Y. And of course, the podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com. Uh, we're also on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Stitcher, Slacker, TuneIn Radio. Look for Mobile Tech Podcast if you find too many results because all three of these keywords hit a bunch of different shows. Add Tankrel to that, TNKGRL, and you'll definitely find me first first hit. Um, I also want to thank our sponsor, Audible, audible.com. They are really the place to go for audiobooks. So if you are looking at listening to some books rather than reading them, go check out Audible. There is a link in the show notes, uh, audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. Uh, go there. Click through, get a subscription, you'll support the podcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks so much, Danny. Oh, thanks for, for having me on. Being on the show. Absolutely. I'll have you on again sometime. Sure. Uh, and stay tuned for another show. Um, we might have something special this week. No promises. But stay tuned definitely for a show next week. Bye, everybody. See you later. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.